0: Welcome back to a very special edition of the Final Whistle Podcast. Ben Cave, Marvin Aguenta, and today we're joined by a super special guest, uh, the host of ESPN FC, Dan Thomas. Dan, how are you today?
1: I'm good, Ben. You're not too bad. I've just sent you. I've just come back from Bronx Zoo. There's something about a zoo which I quite like. Um, I don't can't quite put my finger on it. Just like find it quite relaxing, even though I was with my children. Um, It was it was a good experience. I'd say we had good fun.
0: Any uh, any cool animals you saw? All of them. All of the
1: animals, Ben. We saw. All, we ticked them all off the list. The gorilla was fantastic. I love a giraffe. I saw an elephant, a tiger, birds with crazy beaks that didn't look real, an alligator. Alligators are scary, man. I don't know how people like, them, you see know, them when they're playing golf and they're going to trundle over and knock them back into the lake. Oh, man, these things are huge. Uh, so we did it. We, I think we ticked off pretty much every animal we wanted to see, so that was good.
0: Well, very nice. Well, it's, it's interesting you brought up your kids because I'm going to we're going to jump right into this interview. So I'm kind of going to go back to when you were a kid, when you were 15. Uh, me and yeah. Marvin did some research. So wow. we were looking through your scan bio, and it says <laughs> you were listed as a prodigy of sports <laughs> broadcasting. Uh, <laughs> I,
1: yeah, uh, I, I think that's a, that's a self-anointed prodigy, I'm sure. <laughs> it's insane. It's um, funny. Like I, I think like most people, I wanted to play play soccer. That was what I wanted to do more than anything ever. But I was rubbish at it. <laughs> So I kind of thought, right, what's the next best bit to best kind of way to to be involved with sports um, without necessarily having the skill? And like broadcasting immediately came to me. And the prodigy bit's a bit weird, but that's like when I was fifteen, I did an internship at the BBC, the local local BBC radio station, and basically I I did the week, and I said, look, I really like it here, and um, can I come back? And they're like, well, we need people to work on the sports show every weekend because back then there was no internet. So I had to phone up all the different football clubs to get the results, to put the scores together. But it wasn't just football clubs, it was like pubs where people had gone drinking afterwards. And it was, it was such a chase around to try and get these scores. But that's what I did, like predominantly for most Saturdays, I'd be calling around football clubs. And then the reward for doing that was to go on the radio and read out these results in my prepubescent voice. And I think that was that was pretty much where we were, and, and it was uh, it was it was good fun.
2: Yeah, very good fun. All right, Dan, you talk about BBC Radio at the age of fifteen. Were you intimidated being a young kid and working in the industry that young? And no, man, I just enough? no, I
1: just loved it. I just I couldn't believe I was actually in the inner workings of it because right. it, it's something that I just dreamt of doing for so long. And like to be in that and see actual things going out live and see somebody talking in front of a microphone that you knew was being a broadcast to the whole area was just something so special about it. And that's a broadcasting bug that I think you're kind of almost born with. Like, that, do you know it's weird? Like, even now when I'm in town and I see like the the, the local the local news recording something, I, I'm still amazed by the whole process. I'm still drawn to the camera. I still want to get on the camera, obviously, because I need to be the center for attention, which I'm sure has some right. issues, uh, some childhood issues, but we don't need to go to those now. But, you know, what I mean, like, I just, it, for me, it's still magic. The whole okay. thing is magic, and I love it.
0: So, obviously, you graduated from uni in uh, 2002, and you began working with Southampton. Uh, yes. At this point, they're one of the very dominant, or not dominant, but they were in the Premier League at that point for 25 consecutive seasons. As someone... Who grew up maybe watching the Premier League, what's it like to work with in a uh, excuse me, with a team in one of the biggest leagues in the world? Well, that was
1: brilliant as well. So what we did was um so I would do the news, like the Southampton news Monday to Wednesday, which was rubbish, that's terrible. Oh, goodness I me, mean, I just had no eye for any sort of news detail. But then Thursday and Friday we present a show called Saints Alive, which was fantastic. So on the Thursday normally we'd go to training, watch the boys train, and then afterwards I'd I'd interview them. And that was something, a whole new experience for me as well, in a sense that you're kind of crossing that line from just being a spectator to someone who's actually having proper interactions with players. And that was fascinating for me as well. And the manager at the time was someone called Gordon Strachan, who was really, really sharp in the sense that if you didn't know your stuff, he would, he would pick on you straight away. So you always had to be alert. It was a good learning curve in that sort of sense for me. And then um, on the Friday, we'd find an old player or speak to him about the experiences and put together the show. And then Saturday or Sunday, we'd go to the game and the press conference and things like that. So from someone who had no real in within the industry to then all of a sudden have all of this access, it was exceptional. It was so much fun. Like me and the cameraman and the producer, we, just, we really enjoyed what we did and really appreciated it.
0: So as people who are trying to get into the sports world, like me and Marvin, it's very difficult to delineate between being a fan of the team and a, a fan of the sport and covering them. How were you able to do that at such a young age? And is there any advice you would give to someone who's trying to be able to do that?
1: Oh, man. I, you see, what I did, obviously, when I was, I was young, I did as much as I could in the sense that, obviously, I went to the BBC. I'd work there. I would work doing something called Tape Proclaim. Which is something back in the day, instead of having digital, we, everything would be recorded on tape and that tape then had to be recycled. So I would cut that with a razor blade and stick it back together so it could be reused uh, for a report the next day. And I'd also used to volunteer, like, it, strange in England, um, big hospitals have got their own radio stations. So I would go to these, I would go and present this, this radio show every week uh, for hospital radio. So I just tried to garner as much experience as possible and what you learn very quickly within this industry if you're going to get anywhere is that you need to know people so I would go out and I would have a drink with the boss or, 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 or the reporter or someone just kind of very much ingratiate myself within their circle and just try and get to know them a little bit and that's something that I always say to people now like if you get to have an internship make sure you don't just be nine till five make sure you get to know the person that you're working with? Make a lasting memory with them because you never know when an opportunity might come up and they go, oh yeah, I remember Ben. Yeah, he'd be great for this, this job. But man, it's such a difficult industry to try and advise someone. You can't give them a blueprint and say, right, this is how you're going to become the presenter of ESPN in 20 years time. You have to do this, 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 this. So I'd be a doctor, right? You go to doctor school, you go to a lawyer school, whatever. And then this is what happens at the end. So that's the tricky thing. And everyone's got different circumstances, you know, not everyone can go and volunteer. You know, you've got to support your family. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. So it's, it's, it's a very unique situation. And I think you have to be prepared to hear a lot of no's before you're anywhere close to a yes, because as much as you think, Oh, well, you started 15, now you're here. This journey's been simple. It's been far from simple. I've got so many rejections from so many different people. And it's just a case of still believing in yourself and still trying to put across the best version of you that you can on screen
2: well, you went from england to mm-hmm. then cover to real madrid and madrid so i want to kind of focus into that a little bit how did you make your move to real madrid and, and covering players like Acar ronaldo and, and david beckham so closely and how was it like working and covering them at that time it was it was
1: like better than you could have imagined it to be. So taking it back to how we, how I got there,
2: yeah. it's
1: weird. We talk about contacts, and we talk. This had nothing to do with contacts, actually. Uh, Real Madrid already had a Spanish-speaking uh, network, and they wanted to set up an English-based international channel, which was focused on Real Madrid. So kind of like yes, network if you like, with regards to the Yankees and things, but just right. on Real Madrid. So what they did is they used to be. Um, a newspaper that came out on a monday which had all these kind of media jobs and it just so happened that somebody saw it in this thing and they said dan you should you should go for this and it it just said new tv channel launching in spain i don't think it said much about anything uh, anyway so I, I applied to it and then they sent sent me a script which was um which was all real madrid based and then i went to london to read this script and, and apparently they like interviewed a thousand people, something ridiculous. And fortunately they, they offered me the job and then I moved, yeah, moved from, from England to Madrid. And it was just so much fun because it was right at the start of it all. Like no one had too much experience who was working within it. And then from from that, like everyone has used it as a stepping stone to go on to, to better things. But I was there for for five years and from day one, I was the main play-by-play commentator. I'd go to the Burner for every home match. For the away matches, I'd do it off tube. So it was just—I was twenty-five as well. Just—it—it wow. it was ridiculous. It was so much fun, uh, and I and I really enjoyed it. What's interesting, and and the, and you bring up there, like of Beckham, Kaká. I'm um, obviously uh, Ronaldo was there, Roberto Carlos, uh, Zidane. That was. The, the least enjoyable part of the job was interviewing those people because it was a lot of hanging around, and I didn't really get much from the interviews, which is interesting because you think, oh my god, like it's great for a selfie or whatever. Oh, look, I met Beckham. But as a as kind of like a broadcasting goal, I quickly realised that wasn't something that I was desperate to continue with. And even now, even now, like when we have people on who are players. Um, I always leave a little disappointed with an interview because I always think I can get the best out, I can get something maybe out of them that they haven't said before, but they're so guarded and just so uninterested in talking to me with any sort of depth, and I get it, like, well, you've got nothing to gain by telling me anything interesting in that sense, so that's why I much prefer working with ex-players and hearing anecdotes from the boys from the past than just getting bland, everyday answers from players now.
0: So first, first you're in England. Then you went to Spain, mm. and now you're yeah. in, uh, the USA. Where has been your favorite country to work? Oh, Madrid was brilliant,
1: but it was that time of my life where you look. Is my look, will Say hello. See, this is before oh. he was born. Hello. Before, before the kids and before marriage and things like that. So it was just fantastic. You know, it was just you had no responsibilities. You were going to the Bernabeu. You know, I went on the world tour with them. We went went all around pre season with Madrid. It was just dream stuff. But obviously, problems with working with a club channel, there's no money. So, you know, I wasn't I was I was living paycheck to paycheck pretty much. And also there's a little bit of propagandery as well. You have to be careful with what you had to say. So in that sense, it, it like five years was definitely enough. It was time to move on. Don't do that. Thank you. He's framed stones at the basketball hall. <laughs> see i didn't have to deal with those sort of things when i was in madrid it was fine yeah no no thank you no because it might hit the neighbor um so yeah so that was definitely it it came at exactly the right time i think if it happened now i wouldn't have been able to immerse myself and enjoy as much as the experience and now obviously i've been here for 12 years now at espn and that has just set me up nicely not only career-wise, but also the opportunity to settle here, to have a family, and to shout at my child regularly.
2: (laughs) So, Dan, you arrived at ESPN in 2010. You talked about it a little bit. I mean, let's get into kind of the sport of football. Obviously, here we say soccer. I mean, talk about how the evolution of the sport popularity has changed from where you started in 2010 to kind of where it is now, including the show of ESPN FC.
1: Um, well, just I can only obviously speak from personal experience, and it's interesting having children. Um, my my eldest son did travel soccer. Um, my my youngest one here does rec. How unbelievably popular soccer is for any kids, pretty much under eighteen. I think I'm right in saying it's the most played sport uh, here from kids of that age. But what struck me, and still strikes me, is that that's that part of the day done right, the soccer bit's done, and then we kind of move on with the rest of our day. And, and I know this is kind of, it's kind of like um, a middle-class area where I don't think you have quite the same demographic of those that are maybe following soccer much more now. But what's interesting is the sense of, right, it's kind of, right, we've done our soccer bit, and now we move on to the sports that really matter and watch them in the afternoon or the evening. Right. And that kind, of, that kind of really struck me. I was like, wow, you know, you, you spend so much time and so much commitment to having your kid play soccer but then there's no immer- they're not immersed in the rest of the soccer culture around the world. But certainly, what has changed since I moved here is the access that everybody's got and how much easier it is now. And speaking to people who've lived here a lot longer than I have about how they were just getting games on dodgy feeds or a VHS was doing the rounds or a DVD of this, that, and the other, compared to now. You look at ESPN Plus, you know, the Bundesliga, Liga, MLS. Obviously, NBC do a brilliant job as well. With the Premier League, if you want to watch any match in the world, you can pretty much get access to it here, which is interesting because you can't get that in England because the three o'clock games in England, the ten o'clock ones here uh, are blacked out. You know they're not live, so in that you, the soccer access here is better than the home of soccer back in back in England.
0: Uh, so on the show, you guys kind of debate every single league, whether it's Bundesliga, like you said, Premier League. What do you think gets the best? Uh, interaction from the boys in terms of what league uh, you like to discuss the most? The, the Premier League.
1: The Premier League is still the big boy, I think, at the table, mo- most definitely, because of the way that it's marketed, because of the money that is there, because, of course, like most of the boys ha- have played in, in England before. And I've j- and you just look, and it's interesting hearing from um, the AC Milan owner this week just saying how Serie is playing catch-up in that sense, and it's a very difficult game to try and catch up in. When you're competing with the likes of the Premier League and, and the fact that they can draw in Erling Haaland and look what they've done with Darwin Nunez, like bringing in the creme de la creme of the players, and Barcelona and Real Madrid will always have that as well because of their name, and I think that's going to be an issue for for other leagues in the sense that you know that they are they are playing they're playing catch up, uh, but certainly it's interesting Manchester United, Manchester United, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Uh, Liverpool are kind of the ones that will that, that will get the most interactions with United is still a huge huge draw um, everyone has an opinion on them, uh, but they're the kind of your big big boys uh, that will get that will get people interacting and watching
2: all right Dan Thomas
1: you know yes. one of the things
2: I watch in ESPN FC that you do very well is actually one of those hardcore questions each to your 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 analysis, your friends. Um I gotta ask you a question Colleagues, colleagues your colleagues, colleagues. yeah, <laughs> colleagues, your friends, um <laughs> and slash colleagues. I kinda wanna ask you kind of those one hardcore questions that I think you would love like to enjoy. So Go I'm on. gonna ask you this, right. Come on. Who right now would you yep. rather have as a working teammate, Craig Burley or Stevie Nickel? So you have to choose one.
1: In their, Are we talking in their prime?
2: Prime, as a, as yeah, prime.
1: we're going to go prime. Uh... Oh, it's easy. Stevie, man. Stevie was the best player in England in 1989. What was Burley doing? Oh, God. No, it's
2: easy. Go scored the last Scottish goal. <laughs> oh,
1: God. He's hanging his out on match still. 1998. Last player to score for Scotland, last player to get sent off for Scotland in the World Cup.
2: But, wait, right, well, but then wait let me follow up by just saying this but how about working teammates so how about working in studio who would oh you rather stevie, stevie stevie as well? all the time wow.
1: yes oh god people go oh he's praying just putting an act on no he's grumpy all the time i've got to deal with that Stevie comes in with another story of him accidentally taking Eleanor's sleeping pills and they had to call the ambulance and all that, you know, there's always a story with Stevie and some stage. page so yeah, most definitely that's a that's an easy one
0: alright, well now we're going to kind of switch gears me and Marvin love to play games on the podcast so we're going to make Dan the leader of the Avengers in this game uh, okay. we're going to throw you some different Avengers and you're going to have to give a player comparison for that Avenger. So we'll we'll start off with an easy one. Me and Marvin kind of talked through who we think you might answer, but we'll go with The Incredible Hulk as your first uh, Avenger. What player would you Oh, from,
1: that's a good question. See, back well, physical. So you, you would say kind of um, Adamus Rore. It's kind of who, would, you would, like kind of, who it would strike you most definitely. I think back in the day, Diego Costa kind of had that incredible Hulk vibe about him as well. Certainly when it was at, at Chelsea and Atleti uh hulk i don't think he's got a final ball so i think troll Ray, and him would probably uh, get on well in that sense
0: that, i mean that is the answer that we actually thought you were gonna go there with, you are yeah. good
1: i'm one for one then <laughs> yeah. i like this okay we'll go,
0: we'll go with another little a bit of a trickier one iron right. man uh, give me the qualities of iron
1: man because i'm not up on my marvel that much
0: I think I would say Iron Man is more arrogant than the rest. He thinks he's right. the leader of the group, but he really okay. is the lower Smartest, intelligent. That, yeah.
1: The first word you use there always leads to Cristiano Ronaldo, doesn't it? When you think of arrogant, <laughs> it, 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 it's just Ronaldo. And that's what he's fed off all these years and probably what's made him one of the best. I think if he, had, um, if he was more of a downsworth, kind of a humble guy, maybe he wouldn't have that same drive. So I will say Cristiano Ronaldo.
0: Okay, now we'll go with Doctor Strange, more of the... I think this one would be more of, like, the wizard on the field.
1: Oh, okay. All right, so then you would kind of, like, a David Silver sort of character from, yeah. from Manchester City. That's kind of who you kind of think of with someone who's got that little something extra, that little something magical, something impossible to teach. So, yeah, I would go I would go David Silver.
0: That's, again, that's probably the one I would have picked out as well that you would have guessed, so... Yes. <laughs> Um, So another one, Black Panther. This one we kind of think is more of the very athletic one, the one who's not afraid to get down and dirty and kind of make that play that you're not really going to see on the score sheet, but he made that play that saved the game.
1: Oh, man. Well, you you think of someone who's a a real workhorse and that's someone you're thinking who works hard. There's kind of one player that, that springs to mind all the time and a player who is interesting in a sense that you could see how much Chelsea missed him last season when he was injured. In that he's not. Do you know? I had a, f- a friend of mine who, who when he was at, um, when Angola Kante was at Leicester, and he said, and he said, "Oh, I haven't seen much of the of Leicester this season, but these these Kante twins are really good, aren't they?" Which I thought was a really good way of summing up just the fact that he is everywhere on the pitch and so special to that Leicester team and obviously that Chelsea side as well. You kind of hope to see him back to his best this season.
0: So the last one is uh, Captain America. More of the, the silent leader of the group, I would say. Humble, you know.
1: Oh, right. Silent leader of the group. Humble. Strength power. Strength and power. Hmm. Now I'm giving it some proper thought, you can tell. <laughs> which is not great for the
0: podcast. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. It's great. We'll, edit it. we'll edit it. We got it. We
2: got a silence. There we go. We, time to think
1: i don't know guys like humble strong powerful successful Oof. i don't know who would you have
0: gone for ben go ahead first i think i don't even know. i'm a you know oh no, my god you to ask me you don't have an answer no no no. i think so I'm a, I'm a i'm a city fan so i would go with Rodri. i think Rodri is like the quiet leader of that team he just get he gets in there, he gets out. We know how humble of a guy he is, so I, I would go with Rodri for that.
1: Yeah, but Captain America, I don't know. Just even the name of it, doesn't yeah, count.
2: I would probably <laughs> go with Leo Messi on this one because he's humble, he's strong, he's powerful on the field. I would go with him. That would be nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's Christian Pulisic though every day, boys. I mean, he? I guess. Yeah, there it is. If you want to go? A, there
2: it is. That's,
1: that's a Captain America. I tell you, someone who could be to fill that role obviously is Gio Reyna. If he, yeah. if he can keep himself fit. I really like him, guys. I think he's going to be a great player. Like every time I've seen him for Dortmund, and especially for the U.S. team, I think he's got this kind of character about him that he, he won't go missing. You know, I think for accusations that maybe some of the U.S. players go missing in big games, I don't think he's got that within him. Um, but that's slightly off topic.
0: <laughs> so I, was watching the, I was watching the Jude Bellingham documentary that um, uh, Birmingham put out yesterday, a few weeks ago, as, long, as well as Bruce Dortmund. And when he went to Dortmund, the whole documentary, while it was on Jude, there were so many clips of Gio Reyna just get, being on the field and just being so dominant. I completely agree. I think he's one of the players that's definitely going to, if they're going to make no. a deep part of the World Cup, it's, it's going to be with him spearheading the attack.
1: And what a player his dad was. His dad was a lovely guy as well. we had him on the show um, a few times. Really nice. You know, it's a good grounding there that, it, that his mum and dad are going to give him going forward.
0: Well, that's been the Avengers section of the podcast. Thank you for all your answers. Um, So we're going to wrap it up here, but we just have one more question. You kind of talked a little bit about it before, but is there any advice you would give to someone trying to break into the sports broadcasting world?
1: Don't tweet anything stupid. Don't have anything stupid on social media. And that's something I never had to deal with, obviously, because when I was growing up, we didn't have it. But every tweet you put out, every kind of social media statement you make, what are you gaining? What are you gaining from this? And how detrimental could it be to the future? And if it's a hot take that gets you three likes, is it really worth it in the future when somebody's searching through and kind of looks at it and think, is this the guy? Is this the guy that we want associated with our company or, or with our club? So that's, that's something that I would be very aware of. And I'm still, when, the number of times I've deleted tweets. I get, Dan, what are you doing? Well, you didn't get paid for sending this tweet. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) and, and And you've seen so many people fall because they think what they have to say is important, which it really isn't on social media. What's important is how you conduct yourself, how you interact with people. You get the opportunity to meet, to make a lasting impression, to know your stuff. Like, if you want to be working in La Liga, know more about La Liga than anybody else, you know? And in that sense try and get to know as many people as you can and when you get to know them make sure that you leave, leave an impression uh, which means that when something comes out no matter how little within the industry they think of you first
0: well thank you for those very wise words dan and i no, know our, our <laughs> listeners will definitely <laughs> take that to heart uh well thank you all for listening to this episode of the final whistle podcast once again dan thank you so much for joining us it's been a great episode thank you, man. And, uh, no thank worries you
2: guys,